joining us for this podcast series from Citadel Chambers, a leading and progressive set of barristers specialising in crime and situated in the heart of Birmingham. We'll be taking a close look at the issues that impact on the cases the barristers deal with in court. If you're a barrister at another chambers, or if you're thinking about becoming a barrister, you'll be interested in our special podcasts about the working lives of the barristers at Citadel Chambers. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a range of experts from Citadel, from Queen's Council through to their junior barristers. They can all be contacted via the Citadel website, citadelchambers.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm Becca Harding and I'm a journalist and a business owner. Today I'm talking to Duncan Craig. Duncan is a barrister at Citadel Chambers in Birmingham. He's head of licensing there and I wanted to talk to him about what he's seeing in the hospitality business as a result of Covid. So Duncan, hello, how are you? Uh, Considering the pubs are all shut, I'm great, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're all suffering from that, (laughs) particularly on a Friday night, which it is at the moment. So tell us about your background because it's in hospitality. Yeah, I was uh, in the licensed trade for 20 years before I came to the bar. Uh, my first job was at Whitbread. I was a, I was in sales. I was a beer salesman. Um, of all the jobs I did before I came to the bar, that even owning bars and restaurants, I, I, I didn't quite enjoy that as much as, as as I did selling beer. I just not got nearly enough time for me to to tell you the reasons behind that. But it was and incredible. I can imagine them. <laughs> it was an incredible time. To, to do that job it was it was it wasn't as regimented as it is now it wasn't there wasn't the, the the level of oversight you could come and go as you as you wanted as long as you were performing the numbers it was just it was just a fantastic job so i did that for five years started in manchester moved over to the east midlands and then after that i i i, I felt i needed to get into the retail side so i became an area manager for a pub company called eldridge pope who were based in uh, dorchester and i looked after about 20 yeah. pubs for them uh, in Hampshire, basically, I had Southampton and Portsmouth, some fairly tasty pubs there, but some nice pubs as well, yeah. and hotels in the New Forest. So I had a very wide mix of pubs. About halfway through my time there, one of my old customers um, at Whitbread was opening up a new restaurant um, and asked me if I wanted to come in uh, as a partner. He said it was because of my expertise. It's basically because he'd, he'd run out of uh, he'd run out of money, and he was opening a new restaurant up. So I got involved <laughs> with that. Ran that for a couple of years, uh, and then I left Eldridge Pope, and then from yeah. that point progressed up to having at one point six uh, licensed businesses. Uh, I, I guess the peak for me was probably two thousand and two thousand six, two thousand and seven. That, that was when the business was 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 uh, at its peak, and and that was I guess give or take nine years after I opened the first yeah. restaurant up. So around that time, I employed about one hundred and twenty people. Um, but unfortunately, the business started to struggle in 2008, uh, in particular in 2008. Uh, and by early 2009, I'd had to place it into administration. Yeah, it's difficult. But I mean, you get, you understand the business and you understand the fluctuations and difficulties of it, don't you? I mean, that, that's the bottom line. I do, I do. And yeah, I understand how what a rewarding industry it is and how much fun it is. But it's also hugely challenging, and especially in the last 12 months. It's been, it's been horrendous for, for, for the trade. So... I consider that I've been in the trade for 30 years. I consider what I've done in the last 10 years to be part of that. When I lost the business, I wanted to stay connected to the industry, but I wanted, you know, I, I was done. I'd, I'd had two years of just the business had struggled so much and it was so hard to 
So what, what made you become a barrister rather than um, for the trade, rather than to go and do something else, go and manage something, you know, like uh, a, somebody else's restaurant? Or... Well, I've never been accused of lacking self-confidence. That, that's never been thrown at me. Uh, I, so I always <laughs> felt I, I would be I would be OK at the job. And I had friends who were barristers who, who, who encouraged me to take that step. I was 39 when the business failed. I guess it was, I thought it's now or never. If you don't do it now, you never will. Uh, and I guess I just wanted to, having lost the business and that's to, to have a licensed business and to lose it is, I think when you've got a licensed business, you, you, you quite enjoy the attention that goes with that. Yeah. You have to accept if that business fails, it's reasonably well around. No, it was, my business was we're in Nottingham and uh, I took it hard. And so I, I guess I wanted to prove myself. And, and so that, that's why I did it. It was, I guess it was, if you don't do it now, Duncan, you never will. Yeah, no, I can absolutely understand that. So how does that help you work with hospitality businesses now? And how do you work with them as a barrister? When I first, when I first started practicing, all I really had was my background in the trade. To, to trade off, I suppose. Uh, but then, as, as time progressed and I, and I, my practice developed, I went through a period where I didn't talk about the type of businesses I was dealing with. I wouldn't necessarily have to bring up my experiences because I was dealing in the early days with a lot of off licenses. Well, I didn't have any off licenses. But what's happened in the recent years because I started to be involved with bigger groups and people who've got bars and restaurants more so than I did before, I've just found frequently that there are just certain instances where I've they, they have an issue with their business that I've previously encountered. And that doesn't mean I've got a magic wand and I can necessarily solve the problems. Certainly, that, that if, we've got a, if we've got a shared experience with somebody and they've got a problem, it, it's easy to work that through and, and come up with suggestions. And, and I guess I really enjoy, the thing I enjoy most about the job is, is helping licensed businesses, not necessarily in a legal way. There might be a legal element to it, but I, I really enjoy pushing people's businesses forward because yeah, I, you know I, what it feels like yeah, yeah I do, I do. <laughs> and, and I was lucky to have really good professional advisors when I had my bars and restaurants and I re- really respected the people that gave me that advice and I, I know how valuable that is and what it means to somebody that, that they can be pushed in, in a way that helps them so no I understand and I mean at the moment it's incredibly difficult for licensed currency I mean they can't open <laughs> they're yeah. really really stuck so what are the kind of problems I mean apart from just not being able to open that you're that you think they're struggling with at the moment because of COVID well that that that's that's enough the fact that the fact that they can't open. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think the government's got a, a lot of things wrong in this pandemic but I think the support that they've given to the economy, the furlough scheme's clearly been of use, a great use to the licence trade. They're not paying business rates at the moment. So actually, for a lot of them, their only outgoings at the moment are rent. And in the last three months, the number of instructions I've had, I mean, licensing is, is the main part of my practice, but I, I also enjoy um, advising licensed businesses on other areas of law. And the amount of instructions I've had with landlord and tenant work in the last three months is just, it's just gone through the roof because a lot of landlords are being just grossly unreasonable. Descent, it can actually descend into bullying. And, and you know, a lot of these tenants, of course, they've got the landlord on one side, who's probably in a posi- much greater position financially. He, he, he has corporate lawyers, uh, doing his mm, bidding yeah. for him and, and and it can be very intimidating for, for a lot of these tenants so i quite enjoy if i'm being honest that side of engaging with corporate solicitors um some of them perhaps don't know how to how to handle me at times but um 
I can imagine. Quite enjoy <laughs> defending the best interests of a, of a, of a licensed yeah. business. Uh, it can't be right. It simply can't be right that somebody who's, who's been a tenant for 10 years and has always paid their rent on time and a pandemic comes along and all of a sudden they're struggling to pay their rent. Yeah. It simply can't be right that, that, that they forfeit their lease or that the landlord can... I mean, look, there's a moratorium on forfeitures at the moment and that cannot yeah. last forever, but I, I expect to be very busy with that sort of work um, uh, in the months ahead. And what other issues are coming in terms of cases? What are, what are the things you're seeing? In terms of uh, I've had a couple of... Uh, this week I had a couple of um, uh, uh, COVID uh, 10K fixed penalty notices. Which oh, really? Yes. They didn't pay. Um, Was this for having coffee cups or something outside? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, what's alleged is, is a little more significant than that. Um, uh, but certainly, uh, so so have those. The, 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 the one I expect one of those, in fact, will be very interesting um, indeed uh, for a whole host of reasons, which probably uh, I can't really descend into now. And actually, what I've noticed in recent weeks is a, a, a big upturn in the number of inquiries for applications for new licences. So people are looking to the future. They're thinking, well... That process can take months, not necessarily. So I guess as the vaccine rolls out, there there will always be opportunities in any situation. And and there are lots of licensed businesses who are struggling enormously. And and I don't doubt that a number of them will struggle to uh, survive. And and that's obviously tragic because they've done nothing wrong. But equally, life has taught me, certainly over the last 30 years, that there are always opportunities for people and uh, and, and, and people will always uh, fancy the chances. So, um, yeah, quite a bit on, on the on the application side. A lot of my practice revolves around licensing appeals. That side of it has almost ground to a halt. But mm-hmm. once, once things get going again, um, I've got a huge number of appeals that I'm going to have to um, hopefully resolve most of them. But um, uh, certainly the courts uh, aren't working as well as I would uh, like. Certainly the magistrate's courts, um, the, I think the Crown Court and the civil courts are running, uh, Just I'm just finding some difficulty with the magistrate's courts at the moment. Um, not all of them. Um, there's a lot of good people who work in them. But, um, so yeah. what sort of time spans are you seeing at the moment that's different to normal in terms of getting cases dealt with? I, I get a lot of appeals and I resolve most of them. So I don't have that many that, that actually go to a full, full contested hearing. But in the course of a normal year, I'd probably do maybe 10 contested appeals out of, say, 35 that would, that would come in, 10 would actually end up at court. I did two last year. Mm. And, and they were ones that, that they only took place because there was a statutory requirement for them to take place. But all the other stuff is just getting, it just keeps getting listed, adjourned, booted down, down the line. But, of course, for a lot of these businesses, they've been, they've been particularly if they're an off-licence or, or other licensed businesses, that hopefully come April, May time, and they can open up. For example, if a, if a license has been revoked, mm. then uh, if they appeal, they can continue to trade. So, so it's not prejudicial to the, to the license holder that these these appeals keep getting booted down the line. And of course, my expectation is because enough time will have passed from whatever the issue was previously, mm. that hopefully a lot of these appeals can be resolved quite sensibly with the councils. So are you seeing um, licensed premises taking risks because of the, the problem of not ha- not making money at the moment? Are they doing things that are pushing their um, their ability to keep their licence and, and taking dangerous risks? They, no, I mean, they look, they, uh, when the, so 
sort of there have been three phases really. The first phase was March last year, Prime Minister directed all, all pubs shut. I got I got about three, four jobs during that first lockdown period where people had opened and shouldn't. But other than that, nothing. It was there were just four people that various levels of culpability, I suppose, um had had traded during the first lockdown. So in, in terms of that, very quiet. Then when the pubs opened in July, in fact, July last year was my my best ever month billing wise because all of a sudden it's gone from you can't open to well you can open but you can't do this and you might be able to do can't that. Do that. Yeah. And so I was just incredibly busy during that period and that continued really up until I guess step. Sorry, was that giving people support in how to deal with the laws? Was that and, and how to deal with the changes? Or? Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit, a bit of advice on that front. And obviously, the regulations yeah. were constantly changing all the time, and we were moving. Right. The tier system changed, uh, but some of it as well was inevitably when people have gone from a situation where you can't open your business and then you can, but there are restrictions. That then invited regulatory scrutiny, shall we say? So obviously, right. police licensing officers would go down to premises and, and so there were things there that I would need to deal with again during that period as well I was very busy with applications because people understandably thought well we're, we're, we're through the other side of it what mm-hmm. subsequently happened is since since we've effectively been give or take other than a short break at Christmas lockdown now for I guess a couple of months maybe a bit more than that in fact the, the licensing side of my work has dropped off the landlord and tenant side, as I've said, and other areas of law have picked up. But I've, I, I fully expect once the pubs reopen again, pubs, restaurants, bars reopen again in the spring, shall we say, I expect to be extremely busy again then. So with your experience of, of licensing as a, as a restaurant owner and now as a barrister dealing with other people's problems, what reforms would you like to see most in licensing laws and procedures? Well, Unlike a lot of other licensing lawyers, who particularly ones who of, of, of a certain uh, vintage, shall we say, who always say they preferred the old 1964 Licensing Act, I, I, I think the Licensing Act actually overall works pretty well as a piece of legislation. I do think, and I've touched on it actually uh, just now, I do think the appeals procedure needs looking at. It certainly needs streamlining. But there are many aspects to the to the appeals procedure that aren't on. Particularly satisfactory, and certainly uh, we haven't got enough time today for me to go into to any detail. But um, so yeah, I would certainly look at the the, uh, the appeals procedure in a number of uh, ways. Is there anything that you think would help safeguard the future of the traditional pub as we know it? I think there has to be some form of statutory or um, judicial intervention about renteries. I, I think that, quite frankly, if renteries um, are going to be enforced as per um, strictly as per leases then I think the economic system we live under will simply collapse Um, and so that there's going to have to be a bit of pain sharing I think and and whether it's going to be I don't governments don't like interfering with contracts that have been agreed by by uh, individuals you know, acting on their yeah. own free will but oh, they've intervened and Im- imported some terms into the insurance uh, contracts and, and, and my view is they're going to have to do something along those lines with uh, with leases because uh, so I guess it's not so much a, a licensing issue because obviously it would extend beyond the license trade but certainly I feel very strongly I'm hoping that some tenant is going to challenge when when a landlord enforces it to say 
this lease has an implied term that, that relates to a mm-hmm. pandemic and uh, that's to be a bit of pain sharing. Failing that, and look, landlords equally have financial commitments, so the government would need to intervene with the banks as well, I think. But that, that's certainly one thing. And, and, and the VAT um, side of things, that maybe that should be extended for um, uh, the um, uh, licensed trade uh, for um, a, a significant period. I, I do wonder how quickly people will get back into the habit. I'm hoping it's very quickly, and I think young people will, but just getting back into the habit of going into a pub and not thinking about social distancing. I'm not saying that's, by the way, I'm not saying that's imminent. In the autumn, maybe. So there's that question mark there. Are people, have people's habits changed? Are people going to be frightened about going into a pub where there aren't social distancing restrictions? So there are a lot of question marks for for, for the trade. But look, as human beings, we are social animals. We, and let's be honest, I think most people in some way, shape or form, certainly a huge number of people have just missed going to the pub, just going after work for a (laughs) and not thinking about it. And um, I suppose the timing of this is good because hopefully by the time we do, the restrictions do start getting relaxed. We're getting into the spring. The days are getting longer. So yeah. yeah. Just to finish, what advice would you give to businesses in order to protect their licenses in this environment? So what's your top tips for them at the moment? Well, certainly not to be intimidated by your landlord. I mean, that's not strictly related to the, to the license, but it is related to their business. Just don't be intimidated by your landlord. If you're in arrears for your rent, I don't think that's going to be as easy to end in forfeiture proceedings as as, as it would have done uh, a couple of years ago. And, and look, the regulations can change with bewildering speed, but it's not going to be the case where... Boris Johnson is going to turn around on the 15th of April and go, right, that's it. We're done. Everybody everybody back to normal. And so just be mindful that people need to be mindful about the, the regs. And it, it would just be a shame for any licensed business to, to, to get this far and then fall the last hurdle and lose their license. But look, regulatory authorities have to be understanding that people aren't going to get it right all the time. And But certainly if people are under any form of scrutiny it's important that they are seen to be complying with the uh, regulations and certainly that's that's the um underlying uh, advice i would give to them no that's brilliant well duncan thank you so much today and i'm sure everyone listening really appreciated your time and the advice that you've given found really helpful so if you have any questions for duncan or want to get in touch then you can contact him at citadel chambers or through his linkedin profile Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by Citadel Chambers, a leading and progressive set of barristers specialising in crime and situated in the heart of Birmingham. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers in this podcast episode, then please visit our website, citadelchambers.com. All the views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. If you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation, then please talk to us directly to obtain professional advice.